This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. It's the 11th of May. I'm Nidhi Suresh, your host for this particular episode. Today, we're joined by Chris, a reporter from the News Minute, who's joining us from Kerala. Uh, welcome to News Laundry, Chris. Hi, nice to be here. Chris is joining me today to talk about something that has just not been talked about enough in the Delhi media circles. Um, it's something that's been going on in the Malayalam industry for over four years now. Uh, we're not talking about one single report that Chris has done, but actually a series of reportage that the News Minute has covered, where Chris and her colleagues have been consistently reporting on it for the last few years. It all started in February 2017, over nine months before the Harvey Weinstein Me Too movement came to light across the world and within Hollywood. Uh, this particular incident that took place in February 2017, where, where an actress, a South Indian film actress who's acted in Malayalam, uh, Telugu, um, Tamil movies, accused a very prominent actor, Dilip, in Kerala of sexually assaulting her, of abducting and sexually assaulting her and planning that entire assault that took place. The allegations in Kerala were made against Dilip. Now, Dilip, uh, to get a brief understanding of what uh, kind of influence Dilip had, Dilip is pretty much one of the biggest rock stars or was pretty much one of the biggest rock stars in Kerala. He had um, come up against two dominant actors, Mohanlal and Mamuti. He'd established himself as a household name in Kerala. According to Enforcement Directorate, he owned estate assets worth 600 crores. He wasn't just an actor. He was also a businessman, a producer. He owned multiplexes. He owned real estate. He owned uh, film distribution businesses. He owned theatres. He owned restaurants across Kerala and some even say that abroad. Today, Dilip is being accused not just of masterminding uh, and abducting and sexually assaulting this particular actor in Kerala, but also uh, conspiring to kill the police officer in charge of investigating this case. Chris is here to talk to us more at length about this particular issue and what impact it's had on the Malayalam film industry and in Kerala and uh, the kind of Me Too movement that had begun in Kerala much before the Weinstein issue even came into light. Um, Chris, could you please start by explaining to me what exactly happened on February 2017 and how did Dilip's name surface in this particular case? Okay, so um, it was on February 17, 2017 that the abduction and sexual assault of a prominent woman actor happened in Kochi. Hmm. Uh, she was active across film industries in South India, not just Malayalam. She was also active in Tamil and Kannada films. And on February uh, 2017, on this particular day, she was returning from a work location towards Kochi in her car with her driver. And at some point near Angamali in Ernakulam district, uh, this other car came and bumped into her car. And then she was abducted from her car and sexually assaulted for two hours in a moving car before she was dropped off at the house of, uh, of an actor and director called Lal in, in Kochi. Hmm. And um, she filed a police complaint the same day. And the next day, the police snapped, uh, I think, three or four of the accused. And within a week, they've arrested the main accused in the case, Palsar Suni. But they also didn't stop the investigation there. Because, you know, there was 
this idea that it might have been masterminded by somebody outside uh, of the car who who was not present in the car. Hmm. And how did Dilip's name finally surface in the right. particular case? Right. So uh, initially, Dilip's name uh, cropped up as you know rumors, hmm. speculations, because a few months before the attack, uh, the survivor actor had given an interview to a newspaper, in which he said that her uh, work opportunities where she was losing work opportunities because of the indifference of a popular actor in the industry. Now, there was little doubt that she meant to leave. There was apparently this rift between the two actors who have, in fact, worked together in several films together before this. Hmm. Uh, but those were still speculations. So it's after that that Parthi Suni, the, the prime accused in the case, um, said that Dilip is the mastermind behind this attack, that he's the one who uh, planned the whole thing and got them to attack her and record the attack on a video. Hmm. And this and, was admitted um, by Palsasuni in court? Before that, Palsasuni wrote a letter to Dilip and also his cellmate Jensen, a man called Jensen, said that Palsasuni has revealed everything to him. So at that point of time, Dilip claimed that uh, Jensen was blackmailing him for money, hmm. right? And after that, the police called him for questioning. And he was questioned for 13 hours on a day in June 2017. That's four months after the attack. Dilip was and questioned. Dilip was questioned. And his friend Nadir Shah, a, a director in Malayalam Sino, was also questioned. And in July, he was arrested. Right. And all of right. this is happening before the Harvey Weinstein movement had even begun. Several months before the Harvey Weinstein movement had begun. And can you uh, tell I me... I that yeah. was in October. Yeah. yeah, it was in October, I think. So that's nine months after the attack had happened on the actress. Right, right, right. Right. And can you tell and me a little bit... Can you tell me a little bit about, so last year it looked like, you know, the case was going to come to some sort of conclusion, but then two people came out and made revelations which have changed the course of the case. One of them is Balchandra Kumar and one of them is Sai Shankar. Balchandra is a director and Sai Shankar is a cyber expert. You also interviewed uh, Sai Shankar in one of your pieces. Can you tell me a little bit about what exactly the nature of their revelations were and why they play such a central role today in Dilip's case? Um, the trial of the actress of case began in the beginning of 2020, January 2020. So it was already delayed by about nearly three years. Um, and it was towards the end of the trial, you know, when the trial was expected to come to a close last year, that Balachandra Kumar, a director in Malayalam cinema, came out with a series of audio recordings. So he claimed that he was very close to actor the lead and he was going to work in a film with actively. So in these audio recordings, uh, some of which he released to the media as well as to the police, uh, a vo voices allegedly belonging to the lead and his relatives are heard saying that, you know, uh, they want to kill the police official who investigated the actor assault case. Hmm. So in light of this, the police filed a new case in January 2022 a conspiracy case where Dilip and others are allegedly conspiring to kill police officials who investigated the actor assault case. Right. And after that, months after that, I think in April 2022, Sai Shankar, a cyber expert who's based in Bangalore, 
came out to the media and to the police saying that Dilip's lawyers approached him to uh, destroy a large amount of data in two of his phones. Hmm. So this is, you know, uh, given the police the right to ask for more time for investigation, for further investigation into the actress or case, as well as a new conspiracy case against Dilip. And was there a reason why, say, even Balchandra or Sai Shankar decided to come out at this moment and not earlier during the course of the trial? Right. So both of them claimed that they were afraid for their lives. Hmm. You know, Balchandra Kumar said that, you know, uh, if he did not come out and speak at this point of time, his life would be in danger. Sai Shankar said something very similar. He said that his family was uh, in danger. The lives of his family were in danger if he did not come out and speak uh, and uh, seek police protection. Hmm. And that's how much power that Dilip, someone like Dilip holds in the industry at the moment. And where right, is the case right. now? And Dilip is not... Sorry, go on. Go on. The case... Uh, yeah, I was going to say that Dilip is not just an actor. He's a producer. Uh, he owns a film uh, theater in Ernakulam. I'm, I'm sorry, in Trishur, in Chalapudi. And he's also the founder of Fiuk, which is, a, which is an association of distributors and exhibitors and producers mm-hmm. in the film industry. So he has that kind of influence and power within the industry. Um, uh, sorry, your question is? I was going to ask you, where is the case now? At what point, uh, stage is the case? The case was supposed to come to an end earlier this year. Uh, I mean, the trial case was supposed to come to a close earlier this year. But the police have asked for more time. The Kerala has asked for more time in light of the new evidence that came up in the case with Balachandra's and uh, Saishandra's revelations. So um, it's supposed to complete by the end of May. And right now, the police is still questioning witnesses in the case. And last day, Kavya Madhavan, hmm. uh, uh, the wife of uh, Dilip and the prominent, and who was a prominent actor in Malayalam film, was questioned at her residence in Alava. Hmm. And that's where it stands now. That's where it stands now, yeah. Right. So, Chris, uh, I want to go back to a little before when the case had just surfaced and Dilip's name had not yet come up. A group of women in Kerala had formed the Women in Cinema Collective, the WCC. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about this collective? Who's in it? Why was it formed? And what exactly is the collective asking for at this point? Um, so, a few months after the sexual assault on the actor happened in February 2017, a group of women from the Malayalam film industry, not just actors, but technicians as well, hmm. formed a collective called Women in Cinema Collective, WCC. Hmm. Basically, it was formed for uh, to bring justice to the actor, to the survivor actor, as well as uh, to ensure safety for women who work in the Malayalam film industry. Hmm. I, I think it was in May that they formed as an as a collective, and in June 2017, they met the Chief Minister of Kerala, Pinarayi Vijayan, hmm. and they submitted a petition. And among their many demands, one was to form a panel which will study the problems of women who worked in the Malayalam film industry. Hmm. And that's how the Hema Commission uh, was constituted by the Ministry of Cultural Affairs in Kerala. Okay. And where, uh, what is the status of the HEMA Commission? So what exactly did the HEMA Commission do and what did they compile and what are the findings? The HEMA Commission was formed in July 2017. It's 
about a few months after the uh, attack on the actor. Hmm. It was a three-member panel. It is a three-member panel headed by retired Justice Hema. And there are two other members in the panel. Uh, hmm. One is Valsala Kumari, who's a former bureaucrat. Okay. And the other is Sharata, a very senior actor uh, in South India. Right. Now, uh, more than uh, two years after they were formed, at the end of December 2019, they submitted the report to the government of Kerala. The Hema Commission report was submitted to the government. And in January, uh, Justice Hema, in an interview to TNN, said that um, among the findings, the biggest one of the biggest findings of the find uh, of the findings was that sexual harassment does exist in Malayalam cinema. Hmm. And she used the term "casting couch," which is sort of a euphemism for sexual harassment happening in Malayalam film industry. It's sexual favors asked of women actors in exchange of work opportunities. Right. Uh, right. And uh, she spoke about gender discrimination that exists, pay uh, the difference in pay uh, payment given to men and women in the industry, the problematic behavior towards junior women artists in the industry, the lack of toilet facilities, among other things. So there were a lot of important findings in the Hema Commission report, which was submitted to the government at the end of 2019. But more than two years later, um, even at the end of 2021, we didn't hear anything more about the Hema Commission report or what the government is going to do about it. Hmm. So at this point, the WCC and a number of activists began asking questions of where the findings are, what were the findings and what are you going to do about it, hmm. right? And um, when, uh, when a lot of pressure was put on the government, hmm. uh, suddenly the Minister of uh, Cultural Affairs, Saji Charyan, began uh, giving reasons why the Hema Commission report is not out in public. Right. So one of the prominent reasons they give is that the confidentiality of the report had to be sustained. It had to be maintained because the women who spoke out for the commission uh, revealed their experiences regarding gender discrimination and sexual harassment hmm. with the idea that you know their privacy will be protected. Right. So they didn't want to uh, reveal the findings in the report hmm. to protect the privacy of these women. That's the reason that they gave. So even now, the we don't know uh, what kind of allegations have been made against who all in the industry under the Hema Commission report. We don't know that. Uh, all we know is that uh, a number of women shared their traumatic experiences of sexual harassment to the panelists in Hema Commission and they're awaiting justice. They're awaiting some kind of justice for it, but nothing has come out. So but the WCC members, as well as a number of activists, hmm. are asking, uh, why can't you reveal the findings without compromising on the privacy of the women, right? right. They can still reveal findings without revealing the identity of the, uh, the women who spoke to them. But apart from revealing the list of predators or sexual harassers, has there been anything that has come out from the Hema Commission report at all? Like any sort of change, any sort of progress in terms of addressing issues of sexual harassment within the industry? Nothing really, because uh, the only uh, part of the Hema Commission report that came out is a one and a half page report of recommendations given by the Hema Commission um, regarding how you can change 
things for women in the industry. Hmm. And this is this has been so vague because you know it's one of the points is that you know equal remuneration. So there's no there's no clarity on who the equal remuneration is for. Is it for men and women, or is it for uh, actors, or is it for technicians? This, so there's a lot of uh, you know there's no clarity on what the recommendations mean. And on May 4th, a few days ago, the government called the first meeting hmm. of film bodies to discuss the HEMA Commission report. And even at that meeting, it was this list of recommendations that was tabled. So nobody knew where to even begin discussing the report. There was no idea about the findings of the commission or uh, what really is happening in the industry that should be addressed. So at this point, it's not the actresses who spoke out. It's not the uh, members within the commission. It is the Kerala government themselves who is not revealing and repo- uh, uh, making the particular c- report public. That's right. And and they found a number of reasons for not doing so. I mean, mm. initially, uh, when uh, the opposition in Kerala, the Congress party, they demanded that the HEMA commission report be tabled at the assembly. Uh, the reason that uh, the Chief Minister of Kerala gave is that it's, it's not a commission, it's a committee. So it doesn't fall under the Commission of Inquiry Act, which is apparently a technicality, a, flim- uh, a flimsy reason used to not reveal the contents of the report, hmm. right? Hmm. And another such reason was the Minister uh, of Cultural Affairs, Sajid Charyan, saying that it was too huge. The report ran into several thousand pages and it was not possible to table it at the assembly. And finally, uh, they, ca- they came out with the reason that they had to protect the privacy of the women who spoke out to them. So it would seem like a number of flimsy reasons and one would you know, naturally um, conclude that it seems there are a number of powerful individuals named uh, in some way or the other in the commission uh, report. And uh, it seems like the government is trying to protect these individuals. Hmm. Much before any of this even, you know, began to be discussed in parliament or be discussed uh, in public, there was a campaign that had begun even before the Me Too movement. There was a campaign that had begun in Kerala called Aval Koppam. Uh, what does Aval Koppam mean and what effect did that campaign have in the industry? So Aval Koppam uh, is a Malayalam term which means with her, with the survivor actor. It came up, um, I think it was in the context of a lot of actors and individuals, uh, citizens, supporting the accused actor in the industry, the hmm. um, who was arrested in Chile and released on bail three months after he was arrested. So um, a year after Dilip was dismissed from the AMMA, that's the Association of Malayalam Movie Artists in the Industry, the AMMA said that they were going to reinstate the actor. Why? They were going to... So they said that, you know, he's released on bail and nothing's proven against him. Right. So that was the reason they gave to bring him back to the association. And um, there was a lot of protest against him, against this decision. And four women actors, including the survivor actor, resigned from the AMMA in protest against this decision. And how big or how powerful is the AMA? This is the Association of Malayalam Movie Artists. How big and how powerful is it? Um, AMMA, it's more than 20 years old and it's, it's, it contains all the Malayalam movie actors in the industry, not technicians. It's, it's exclusively for actors in Malayalam movie industry. It's, it's 
got hundreds of members in it. Hmm. Um, so it's it's very powerful. And um, Mohan Lal, one of the superstars in the industry, is currently the head of AMMA, the president of AMMA. Right. Right. And so a decision from a body like that saying that we are going to uh, bring back the accused actor in the case has has had a strong impact. Hmm. And um, the funny, the ironical thing is that it is the accused actor who said that I'm not going to come back. You know, I'm declining this invitation to join back the AMMA. Hmm. And it's not the AMMA who said that you should not come back till the case is proven and you are proven innocent of the crime that you're accused of. Right. So much before the Me Too movement had started, Aval Kapam had, you know, really gone viral in Kerala and a lot of women were uh, uh, coming out in support of the survivor in this particular case. And if I remember right, this particular term was also used uh, after the Franco Molecule judgment came out, right? Against the right. victims in that particular case. Right. So Aval Kapam became this huge moment, you know, that... Not just actors or fellow actors of the Survivor Actor, but a lot of people, not just women, but men and women who understood, who, who stood in solidarity with the Survivor Actor, began writing posts and spreading this hashtag, Aval Kopam, I'm with her, I understand her, you know, and I stand with her. And uh, Franco Molecule, as you said, is, was another big uh, case in Kerala where a priest uh, of, of a church was accused of sexually assaulting a nun for two years between 2014 and 2016. And a lot of people came out in support of the survivor nun using the using the hashtag Aval Kopam. Right. And this was particularly necessary because there seemed to be a lot of support in of the accused persons in both the cases, both of uh, the priest Franco as well as Dilip. And Franco Monacal eventually got acquitted in his case. He did. Yeah. He did. He did get acquitted. But even after that, there are still, you know, there was a letter campaign for the yeah. survivor nun in the case. And a, a number of letters were written saying that we are still with you. You should not be upset by all of this, you know, with expressing their solidarity for the nun. Right. And, you know, so there's been a case of sexual assault that happened in February 2017. Initially, even though there was support for Dilip, there have been quite uh, uh, massive revelations that have come out and has put Dilip in a very questionable position. He's been accused of uh, masterminding, abducting and sexually assaulting an actress and also conspiring to kill a police officer. A commission was formed, a report was written, uh, women in cinema came together. Uh, fast forward all of that to four years later, this year, a month ago, a case of rape had been filed against another Malayalam actor, uh, film actor and producer, Vijay Babu. A young woman aspiring to be an actress said that he had raped her multiple times um, and had forced her to be intoxicated and then raped her, threatened to release uh, sensitive footage of hers. She underwent a medical test as well to prove that, you know, she had been uh, uh, assaulted by this person. And at that point, um, Vijay Babu went absconding. Uh, police were looking out for him. Uh, but on April 26th, uh, this actor and producer went on a Facebook Live and he had some things to say. What was it that Vijay Babu told uh, the world at that point? Okay, um, uh, it's ironical that it came at a time when you know, the Dilip case is also uh, having many new revelations hmm. coming out. 
So, uh, yes, like you said, in April, uh, the case came out, uh, the case against Vijay Babu came out. And it's when he put out a Facebook Live one day that uh, the larger public came to even know about the case. Right. So in this Facebook Live that he recorded from, I think, a location outside India, he said that, I know that what I'm going to do is against the law, that I should not be naming the survivor in a case of sexual assault. But I'm still going to do that because I think that I am the victim in this case. And my name has been dragged out there. So I think it's really fair that her name is also dragged out there. And he actually goes on to name the actor and the film she's worked in, in which he was a producer. Hmm. Yeah. Right. And two days after this particular Facebook Live came out, you wrote a piece for the News Minute titled Why Vijay Babu Naming a Rape Survivor is Not the Same as Her Naming Him. Um, why did you think as a reporter that this piece and the explanation of why there's a distinction between the two things itself was required? Why did you think the piece was necessary? So it's soon after uh, Vijay Babu uh, brought out his live video on Facebook. Hmm. There were a lot of comments, uh, particularly from, from men, asking why is this wrong? Why can't he name the survivor in a case of sexual assault? So many of this were like misogynistic and you didn't have to pay attention to it. It was a typical uh, anti-women comments that always came up in Facebook. But some of it were actually genuine concerns because they didn't understand why there is a law that allows the naming of an accused in a case of sexual assault and not the naming of a victim or survivor in the same case. Hmm. So we had to have an explainer why this law came into place right in the first place and we explained that you know there is a section called 228a of the ipc which particularly bars the disclosure of the identity of victims or survivors in a case of sexual assault hmm. and the reason the primary reason is of course the social stigma that comes to a survivor or a victim of sexual assault in the first place even um, in the much uh, discussed Delhi uh, rape case, yeah. the name of the survivor was not disclosed for a very long time, right? Uh, we still call her Nirbhaya. Hmm. Even after her parents were willing to name her, they wanted her name to be out there. Even though she is not, she is the victim in this case or the survivor uh, in this case, women are subjected to a lot of uh, uh, attack on her character and everything while the accused is apparently free of all that. If you look at both the Dilip case and the Vijay Babu case, they have not lost work opportunities or their character has not been questioned or they didn't suffer anything in these past few years or in Vijay Babu's case, days. Right. There was a lot of support explicitly for the accused people. And even in the Franco case, there was support explicitly for the accused. Hmm. While a lot of uh, character assassination, I mean, character assassination and tarnishing happened for the victims or survivors who came out and spoke about it. So it was essential that in a society that we live in, we have to protect the, the identity of the survivor who speaks out against harassment. 
Now, ironically, a uh, little after all of this in April itself, when uh, another prominent film actress in Kerala, Rima Kalingal, uh, was at an event where she was speaking about why uh, uh, Malayalam cinema needs an internal committee as mandated by law to deal with sexual harassment complaints. That event became popular for a very, very different reason. Um, if you can explain to us what exactly happened at that event and what sort of a uh, movement it sparked and or, or what sort of moment that it sparked more than a movement okay uh, so rima kalingal is an actor who's always uh, been vocal about the issues that women faced in the malayalam film industry uh, she's one of the prominent members of wcc hmm. um so uh, at an event in uh, kochi she uh, sat on a stage and she was wearing a denim short skirt and a white shirt while she Uh, spoke to the audience about sexual harassment in Malayalam cinema and the need to form internal complaints committee ICC um in Malayalam cinema so that women have a place to go and complain if they face issues of sexual harassment she was speaking about the need for awareness right but unfortunately what most of the crowd and the media that reported or at least the social media noticed is uh are the clothes that she wore you know because she was wearing a short skirt and she was speaking about it why was she wearing a short skirt so the attention that should have come to the issue you know the sexual harassment and the need to form an icc did not come uh, to the attention of many in the audience unfortunately how do you think you know it's been 4 years now do you and you've been reporting on this for a while do you think that there's been any change in mindset do you see people questioning the actions of men or do you think that it has been a movement restricted within certain circles that has failed to penetrate uh the spaces that it needs to it's actually been 5 years uh since mm. everybody um you know and in january the survivor actor actually came out on an instagram uh story revealing her identity right uh but even after all that even after all that she went through and she spoke out how she uh she you know traveled from being a victim to a survivor because of all that she went through even after all that unfortunately little has changed uh in the mindset of people who see um sexual assault you know they still see it is something that women mostly invite on them and bring it on themselves it was clear uh, in the way people reacted to the vijay babu case because when vijay babu uh, uh, made his facebook live video there was a lot of support for vijay babu hmm. and there was there was very little support for the survivor actor people were ready to disbelieve the survivor's account for no apparent reason they don't know either of these people but they were rather they were very ready to uh, to believe vijay babu who said that i am the victim here you know my name is tracked out here but they are not ready to believe the survivor actor so we can't think that anything has changed despite the very uh, sensational actor assault case that's uh, been discussed over the last 5 years and the amma uh, in dilip's case uh even to expel the late after his arrest it took a lot of pressure from the wcc and women in the industry hmm. uh for uh, them to come out and say we are expelling this actor who was arrested in a case of sexual harassment right and a year later they were more than ready to welcome the late back in hmm 
And the sad part is that it's a woman actor who uh, stood in a stage uh, for an AMMA meeting and said that, why are we not taking the lead back? Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Urmila Unni, she was, uh, she's this really uh, senior actor. She said that we should have the lead back. And we didn't understand why she said this because he was still the accused in the case and the survivor was a part of AMMA. And Dilip so, was holding a powerful position. He was a treasurer, right? He was. Uh, and like I said, he's also the founder of Fiok, which is, you know, an association of distributors and theater owners and everything. Right. So, um, yeah. So it took Dilip to actually say that I don't want to join the AMMA right now. So five years uh, later, when Vijay Babu is accused in a similar case of sexual assault, the AMMA is waiting for Vijay Babu to come out and say that I don't, uh, I'm going to temporarily stay away from the executive council of AMMA until I'm proven innocent. So they are not ready to, they are not willing to expel the actor or take any sort of action against him. They are waiting for Vijay Babu to send in a message that I am going to stay away. And this actually resulted in the resignation of members of the ICC, the Internal Complaints Committee of AMMA, which was only formed in March 2022. So hardly two months before this happened. So now it's been two weeks since Vijay Babu has been accused of rape, since he's gone on record and spoken about uh, and named uh, the survivor in this case, and he still hasn't been expelled from AMMA. He has not been expelled, and they they large-heartedly waited for him to send in a letter saying that, I think I should stay away until I'm proven innocent. Um, I, he's believed to be in Dubai, and the police is still you know, trying to get him, uh, get to arrest him. How do you think the media in Kerala has been reporting on this particular issue? Do you think, has it dominated the news, first of all? And has there been any visible lines of bias? Or do you feel that the media has done a fairly decent job of covering both cases of Dilip and Vijay? Uh, the media has more, uh, more or less, you know, covered the updates of the case as in the regular reports of what's been happening. Because in Dilip's case, there's been a lot of updates. You know, initially, uh, the first two years after the case was filed, he, he submitted a number of petitions at a number of courts to delay the beginning of the trial in the case. And ironically, it's again Dilip who complained that, you know, the police was going uh, with a new case of conspiracy against him in January this year just to delay the trial in this case and give him justice. So anyway, the media has been uh, consistent with the updates of the case, but um, it's not really taken a stand to support the survivor out of their way, except I should, I think I should really name a uh, reporter channel uh, headed by Nikesh. He's the one who, I mean, the reporter's uh, the one that first telecast an interview of Balachandra Kumar last year. So Balachandra Kumar says that he's approached several media, uh, several prominent Malayalam media to talk about this, and many were not ready to give out uh, the content the, of what he had to say, despite him having crucial evidence, right? But a reporter was ready to do this. And uh, Nikesh uh, Kumar, who had the channel, had to go through a lot uh, by giving this all out. But he still stood his uh, ground and he came out in support of the actor, which was, I think, really appreciable. And of course, the news minute has also been continuously following this. So otherwise, I think the media has just been giving a taste of the story, but not really being supportive of the survival actor. Even in the Franco case, that's been the case. Right. 
Right. Absolutely. The News Minute has been covering this case for a while now and they've done extensive reports on uh, all the updates that have happened in the case and not just the legal updates, but really looking at the impact that the cases have been having and the ongoing discussions in Kerala. So I would really urge you to go and read reports done by Chris and her colleagues on this particular case. It really hasn't, uh, from my understanding, got enough coverage um, in um, a lot of the media, at least in the North. The kind of movement that's happened in the South much, much before the Harvey Weinstein movement even began. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for taking the time out. And before I let you go, I would really like to ask you, uh, what would you recommend that our listeners check out this week? Okay, uh, thank you for having me, uh, Niti. Uh, I would recommend a book called Eleanor Elephant is uh, Completely Fine. It's a novel by uh, Gail Honeyman. Okay. And a novel of a socially awkward woman who finds it difficult to interact with people. But as a a reader, you hear Elena's voice in it. And she finds it the other way around. She finds the world strange. Not not that she is strange to the world. Mm. She's somebody who does not believe in, you know, social norms or, or social niceties as, as being uh, polite to others around her or having small talk. And it's it's something that makes you question your own behavior. You know, why do you do the things that you do? Why why do you ask things and say things that you don't even really mean to? Right. Right. And um, uh, you're given to understand that, you know, she's she's gone through a tragedy in her childhood. Hmm. Uh, she's been, uh, she's the survivor of a cruel uh, incident in her childhood. But uh, this has made her what she is. And it's something that makes you fond of Elena and makes you question your own behavior. And it's really funny at, at some point. So, yeah, that's the book I would like to recommend. Thank you so much, Chris. I would actually like to recommend something that sounds fairly similar to me. This is a book called Educated by Tara Westover. Um, Actually, this book is about this young child who's the seventh uh, child in the house and she grew up on the mountains and very cut away from the rest of the world because her family believed and they called themselves survivalists and... um, were from a very conservative family where they did not believe in education, they did not believe in medical care. And she grew up that way and then goes on to go to college and really talks about... uh, the pain that she did undergo with her family. And she doesn't call it abuse, but she sort of looks, it's a memoir where she talks about, you know, the experiences of her family and how they shaped her and how she really struggled to uh, fit into this world that was so, so alien to her. Um, It's actually really beautifully written. And apart from this, I also really want to recommend all the reportage that the News Minute has done on this particular issue of Dilip and Vijay Babu. They have uh, done a recent piece. um, This one is by... Uh, Raga Malika, who's written a piece called There's a Weinstein Scale Me Too Movement in India, but you may not know about it. I think it's a great piece to begin with if you don't have uh, much context into this particular issue where she looks at how this particular HEMA Commission report that is not being revealed by the uh, Kerala government and what that actually implies and you know who is being protected at this point um, and what could happen if that report even comes out. It's really worth looking at. Uh, Once again, thank you, Chris, for joining us. Thank you. 
uh, listeners, if you're listening to this podcast on any podcast player, Apple Stitcher or Spotify, you can listen to this podcast on our very own podcast player on our website where we also have content other than podcasts. We have interviews, ground reports and videos which you can check out. And with that, this podcast is adjourned. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 